Hey, welcome back to Just Ask Rethinking Development Podcast. We are encouraging you, as always, to just ask. I am excited today, myself, Brian Wilburn, your co-host with my trusty co-host, Greg Jeffrey. Greg's got a great topic. It's called Establishing Family Endowments. How do you determine the minimum amount necessary to get going on it? I'm excited for it, Greg. Take it away. Okay, so um, going back like maybe 10, 15 years, when I thought about establishing endowments, I always thought about primarily estate gifts, mm-hmm. which is natural because... Oh, they die and then big yeah, inheritance yeah, comes. Well, that's just it because the biggest gift that any organization will ever get is typically from an estate. And estate gifts are necessary because gifts of humongous magnitude right. are needed to establish an endowment that's going to create enough earnings to really impact the overall budget, right? And so I, w- I was always thinking along the terms of establishing family endowments through estate gifts. And I've recently like reevaluated that. I'm thinking, you know, when I was a kid, um, my mom told me it's better to give with a warm hand than a cold one. You know, I've always thought about I'll take that. money out of a cold hand. I just, I just rip it out. <clears throat> yeah, well, that's you, Brian. Yeah, yeah. right, right. But my but, mama, <laughs> back in 1972, <clears throat> I think was was probably right. It's better to go with a warm hand than a cold one. Sure. Because you can enjoy the warm feeling of butterflies in your tummy knowing you're doing something good while you're still on this side of the veil of death. Yes. So so recently, I've, I've, I've seen the benefits of... Of, of allowing people to make a major gift of, of cash or cash equivalents over a period of X number of years to establish named family endowments, right? Mm. And then, as I've mentioned on another podcast, the idea is you establish it at a relatively modest price point and then with the idea that once that family endowment gets established, there's some ownership on the part of the donor or even the extended donor's family to continue to give to that endowment so that it grows over time. And then ultimately, when that person who established it passes away, they will have grown fond enough of the mission of of what they're trying to accomplish with that family endowment. Then you get the really big gift. But yeah. so, so, so you're not you're not negating yeah, anything. Yeah. You're not negating anything that we may have done in the past. What you're doing is you're front loading it to ensure that the person 15, 20, 30 years from now um, has a receptacle already set up, one that's been growing over time already, you want to get on that short list of charities that that, that remain in their will, right. right? Okay. Well, and plus it's nice from a theolo- you know, the, the theology of giving kind of perspective where you're involving that person in a greater relationship and generosity with the organization right now as opposed to, oh, hope you give something when you die. Exactly. So the question then becomes, if we're going to establish these named endowments, how do you go about setting a price point? Because here's what happens in in a lot of schools. Somebody will send a check for uh, $1,500, you know, and say, I'd like to establish. I mean, this... this, Really? That's happened. You've seen that. $1,500 and I want to do a family endowment. It happens a lot. Really? Well, it's, it's, it's legacy. I mean, it goes back... Today, nobody, I think, would would accept a gift of $1,500. But, but what I've seen happen sometimes, Brian, is uh, a check for 1500 or 5000 or 
$3,500 will come in and say, I'd like to start an endowment. There was no policies back in the day as to sure. what minimum level we would allow to be a, a named uh, a named fund, right, mm-hmm. or, or actually endowed, right? So I think we've gotten smarter because if you send in a check for $5,000, you want to start the, the Jimmy Jones um fund for children, you know that $5,000 is only going to kick off maybe 100 bucks a year. Well, what's that? You know, The cost of administering and tracking the accounting for something like that outweighs the $100 in earnings that you're going to get off that mm. thing, right? So there's got to be some minimum. So then the question becomes, well, what is that minimum? You know, is it a hundred thousand? Is it fifty thousand? Is it sixty, seventy-five? What is that number? And what are the what are the factors that you look at in order to um, uh, set that price point? So some people look at it and say, well, you know, we our our typical scholarships are uh, um, twenty five hundred dollars, and so uh, if a guy had a, if so, we should maybe set our 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 price point at fifty thousand dollars because fifty thousand dollars if 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 it's generating a five percent return would be that twenty five hundred dollars yeah and so the point is some schools I've seen have set the price point for the naming of a family endowment based upon how much they think it's going to generate and it'll fund one kid's twenty five hundred dollars scholarship is that a good methodology yeah I don't think so I think the way that that we should look at it is what is the price point that's going to maximize revenue? Okay. So looking at it more in like a business standpoint of marginal revenue equals marginal cost, optimal time. Is that kind well, of... I'm not sure what you just said, but. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Unpack that for us. <clears throat> oh, it's just like that business principle of you don't want to look for just any type of revenue. You want that kind of maximization of your XY graph where marginal revenue equals marginal cost. That's your point of profit. And so mm-hmm. then oh, sure. you yeah. want to go beyond that. Yeah. Okay. I just wasn't thinking in graphic terms. <clears throat> I am. I'm, a, I'm I often actually, in yeah. my own model. I'm liking where this is going, Greg. So keep uh, keep going. Okay. So then the question becomes: At what point? Um, at what point do we maximize revenue? And but then there's and then the secondary question would be: Is that a price point at which um, the cost of administering and accounting for that um, uh, named family endowment? Is worth the tra- the hassle, right? And so, what I would do is, in in trying to determine um, where that where to set that price point, the first starting point for consideration would be um, to go back to my my major gift prospect list. Now, this is going to be counterintuitive to people, so I'm going to have to explain this very carefully. The first step would be to go back to the major gift prospect list and see how many prospects we had at the million-dollar level, half-million-dollar level, all the way down to the $25,000 level. Because the kind of effort that I'm envisioning now is not a true plan-giving effort. It's more like a capital campaign Mm. to establish named endowments that then get funded over a period of like four or five years. Oh, okay. So you're working backwards. You'd say, we want the endowment to be this size. And so in a sense, they're pledging like a capital campaign and then they fill that over a few years. Kind of like that, yeah. Here's here's the thing about um, about estate gifts. Um, the big, the really, really big estate gifts quite often come from people who can't afford to make a major gift while they're alive. 
But that's a whole other category. What I'm talking about is something similar to a capital campaign with one of the components of the capital campaign, the desire to create maybe 15, 20, 30 new named scholarships at a particular price point. So then it becomes imperative upon us to look at the major gift prospect list and say, well, who are we going to, who are we going to go have a conversation with about that? How many prospects do we have? So if you take a look at the prospect list from your million dollar prospects all the way down to $25,000 prospects, if you've got, say, I don't know, 80 or 100 prospects at 50 grand and above, I'd probably set the, the price point at 50 grand, right? Mm-hmm. But most people, the, the, the pyramid of giving, the pyramid of prospects really blossoms around the $25,000 mark. Yeah. I mean, that's where it really opens up and, and like you might have four, five, ten million dollar prospects or half million dollar prospects. At a hundred grand you might have twenty, thirty. In some cases I've seen a hundred. Uh, and at fifty you might have, you know, an- another hundred, hundred and ten. But at twenty five thousand it really it really blossoms. And and that's for those th- th- those are stats for really wealthy prep schools. But but your average diocesan Catholic high school, you know, it might not be until you hit the twenty five thousand dollar mark that you've got enough prospects that you know you're looking at a hundred or one hundred and fifty or one hundred and twenty five prospects at that at that level. So therefore, I would look at that and I'd say, well, you know what, if we're going to go kind of like a traditional capital campaign for bricks and mortar, if instead we're going to go out and do a five year pledge plan. To establish family endowments, mm-hmm. do we have enough? Where at what price point does the does the prospect list support asking at that level? I think for a lot of like diocesan schools, it's probably at the twenty five thousand dollar level, <clears throat> and that's not necessarily bad because you can start somebody at the twenty five thousand dollar level. The thing is just to get that named endowment started, and and because once you get it started. You can always add to it, right? Mm-hmm. Once you hit that $25,000 mark, then those dollars become endowed. I mean, that, there's another policy there that I should probably uh, talk about real quickly, and that is um, in setting up that endowment, um, let's say a person makes a commitment for, okay, I'll do the $25,000. You explain to them that $25,000 is the minimum. Then I ask the person, how long do you think you would need in order to hit that 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 minimum twenty five thousand dollar level? And he says, "Well, I could probably do it in three years, or four years, or five years, whatever the number is." Right? As part of the agreement in accepting that gift, um, what I've seen some schools do, and I think it's a great idea, is they they have a formal document they share with the donor that says, "Okay, you're agreeing to do twenty five thousand dollars. We're agreeing to create the Greg and Stella Family Scholarship." Right? But if you don't hit the $25,000 price point by XYZ date, whether that's three years, four years, mm-hmm. five years in the future, then those dollars are not going to be endowed. They're going to go into the general tuition assistance fund or the general endowment fund. Now, why would that be? Why would I put that stipulation on there? Because I'm trying to avoid a situation whereby a person has the best of intentions thinks you're going to do a family endowment, gets the honor of a named endowment, but then it sits there at ten grand and doesn't really generate yeah, anything. Doesn't do anything. And the cost of administering that that particular fund in the fund accounting package in the in the accounting system outweighs the benefits of having it. Yeah, that's a great 
Great point, Greg. I think it gives a lot of people a lot of starting. If you guys have more questions, you can always email us at justaskdevelopment at gmail.com. Um, but this is a great start for a lot of people to get their endowment rolling. Thanks for the topic, Greg. And we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>